Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. The reading this evening is from Matthew 6, 16-24, which you can find on page 970 in the Church Bibles. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Jordan, thank you very much. Thank you for reading so clearly as well. Well, if I can begin by adding my welcome to that um, of Justin's from earlier and to, uh, to say it's lovely to see you all. Um, it's been a beautiful day, hasn't it? There really is nowhere. Actually, I don't think there's anywhere better in the world, actually. Can I say that? Having traveled around, maybe it's an overstatement, but liberties. But there is something quite beautiful, isn't it? When the blue sky, the Peak District, rise in the morning, it's chilly, it's cold, but it's just crisp. It's a reminder, isn't it, that God is, is good. And for you students, you've been all over the, the different parts of the country. You've come back to the, the most impressive place in the world, so welcome back. But great to see you students, I must say that. It's always lovely to see you. Um, well, before we, we look at this passage together, would you join me as we pray? Hallelujah, all I have is Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus is my life. Father, I pray as we ponder and reflect and as we look at these verses this evening, I pray that the the profundity of those words that we've just sung would take a hold of our lives. For your sake's name. For your name's sake. Amen. So let me begin. Uh, maybe it's the question you anticipated that I would ask, but where is your treasure? What are the things that we value? What are the things that we love? David Livingston was a 19th century missionary to Africa. He was originally from Scotland, and he was passionate about sharing the, the gospel of Jesus Christ on the African continent, and it required dangerous exploration into unknown lands, but he went. In fact, he said, as for me, I am determined to open up Africa for the gospel or perish. As he went, he was a doctor, and he provided medical care for for the people who he taught about Jesus. On his 59th birthday, he recorded these words in his journal. My birthday, my Jesus, 
my king, my life, my all. I again dedicate my whole self to thee. He was all out for the Lord Jesus. He would have sang those words tonight and met them. All I have is Christ. Jesus is my life. So who was his treasure? It was Jesus. And what did he value? Winning souls for Jesus in Africa. And in 1873, he died of an illness, and his body was to be taken back to the UK. And an, interest, and an interesting, very symbolic turn of events occurred. <clears throat> in order to embalm and transport his body on a journey that would take nine months, his primary internal organs, including his heart, were removed and buried in African soil. His body would rest at Westminster Abbey, but his heart remained in Africa. Jesus' words were never truer. For where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. Where is your treasure? Well, that is the, the question Jesus asks in our passage this evening. Let me put it a slightly different way. What is that thing, if you lost it, you'll be left feeling so empty that you would want to die. What is the thing you value more than anything? What or who do you love? In many ways, that is the big question in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus begins back there at the beginning of, of chapter 5 by, by setting out the characteristics of someone who truly loves Jesus. Someone who is truly devoted to Jesus in the Beatitudes. And we read there in chapter 5, verse 3, that they will be poor or humble of spirit, that they will mourn over their sin, that they will be meek. Verse 6, that they will hunger and thirst after righteousness, that they will be merciful, pure in heart and peacemakers. Verse 8 and 9. It's the posture of a humble Christian life. It's the power of a humble Christian life. And Jesus says, uh, this posture will particularly show itself in the way that we love our neighbor and the way that we love God. We're told there in chapter 5 that we must genuinely love others, not just pretend to do so as the hypocrites do. It will also show, chapter 6, in the way that we are to genuinely love God. So we give and we pray and we fast, not to impress others, as we saw last week, but out of our devotion out of our love to our Heavenly Father. <clears throat> now you might think by the, by the end of, by chapter 6, uh, by verse 18 of chapter to 6, you might find yourself thinking, now look Jesus, you've made your point, we've got it. We understand now that we need to love others, but most of all we need to love God. But quite honestly, we see here that Jesus is not satisfied with that. He's greedy. He wants more. You see, Jesus doesn't just want our love, our devotion. He wants 100% devotion. And as we look 
to the Lord in prayer this month as we gather daily in the mornings at 7.30 and in the evenings at the same time. As we do this, we remind ourselves of our complete and utter dependence on Christ. And this seems an appropriate passage for us as a church. Yes, Jesus says God wants our hearts. He wants us to love him, but he wants all of our hearts, all of our devotion. He wants us to be all for Christ. And Jesus gives us here in this passage, he gives us three pictures, three pairs, and says that we have a choice. We have to choose between one or the other, two treasures, treasures on earth or treasures in heaven, two perspectives, a bad eye or a good eye, two masters, serving money or serving God. And it's very interesting. You know, I'd like to think that we could end up, if I was perfectly honest, you know, somewhere in the middle with each of these, you know, a little bit of treasure on earth and a, a little bit of treasure in heaven. But Jesus says to us here, it's binary. We can have only one or the other. There's no in-between. He's saying our calling is to be Jesus-centered, to be Jesus-focused in absolutely everything. So let's have a look at the, our passage, and I've got three questions for you this evening, beginning with the first one that's up there on the screen already. Where is our treasure? Verse 19 and 20. And Jesus here gives us a very clear and plain choice. We can invest our time and our energy in building up treasure on earth, or we can invest our time and energy in building up treasure in heaven, in the new creation. And then remember in the parable of the, the rich fool, Jesus gives us the same challenge. You remember the story? Jesus tells how this man is doing really well in life, so he tears down his, his barn and he builds a bigger barn to fill it with his grains and his goods. And then he says to himself, you know, I've made it. Now I have plenty of grain laid up for many years. I'll take life easy. I'll eat, drink, and, and be merry. You know, that's my pension sorted. But God says to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be, will be demanded of you. You see, this, this fellow, he valued the things of this earth and forgot about the fact that he would soon be facing eternity. You see, our choices have eternal implications. He prepared well for life on earth, but neglected to plan for that which was infinitely more important, life in eternity. And Jesus is warning against making the same silly mistake here. Verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. No, he's saying here, don't give yourself to things that break, but give yourself to things that last. See, on your deathbed, you're not going to be sitting there wishing that you spent more time in the office. And it's been a, a hard old week for us as a family. Sadly, Naomi's mum passed away a, a couple of years ago. She was a, a total legend, a converted Hindu, remarkable lady, great sense of humor, loved Jesus, and we miss her daily. And this past few weeks, we've been clearing the house, ready to sell. You know, it's, it's quite, a, quite a moment when you realize someone you love is not well. 
It's a sobering moment when you sit with someone you love in those final moments. You come away from having said goodbye and you look around at your friends and you look around at your family and your loved ones, the people you love, and you think that is where I want to invest my time and energy in those people. So Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said, love people and love God. That's how you invest in the future. My bank balance, my investments, my property, my car, my career, my ambitions, even my hobbies. What are they really worth? Instead, Jesus says, verse 20, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you love is what you invest in. And wealth in Jesus' day was just the same as today, measured by the things that we have. But as Jesus points out, everything we own in this life is temporary. We can't take it with us. It will spoil. It will ruin. It will fail. Now, it's really important, actually, before we push on, that we just need to be really clear here about what Jesus means. See, he's not forbidding us from having money. He's not, he's not speaking against the amount of money even that we have. But it's the way that we use it. Several years ago, construction workers were laying a foundation for a building just outside the city of Pompeii. And they came across a corpse of a woman who must have been fleeing from the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, but was caught in the rain of hot ashes. And the woman's hand, remarkably, still clutched her jewels, which were preserved in excellent condition. She had the jewels. But death had stolen it all. And Jesus is saying, worldly treasures, it's not a wise investment because you can't take it with you. It simply will not last. One author said, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. When I read that the first time, I, I found that really encouraging. I found myself saying, well, tell me how. So let me tell you. How do we send it on ahead? By investing in what will last for eternity. By realizing to begin with that everything we have is God's anyway. The money that we have in our pockets is God's money. By using our time and our energy and money to serve Jesus. By being sold out for Christ. And look, this is, this is important. It's an important word for us because the truth is, is that all of us find it very easy to lay up treasure on this earth. It comes so naturally to us. But Jesus says, and there is a warning here, for where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Whatever absorbs our attention will shape our entire lives. So brother, sister, Choose carefully what you treasure because it will shape your heart in ways you can't even imagine. See, your heart will always follow what you do with your money. It will follow what you treasure. 
That's why if I'm absolutely honest with you, having done gospel ministry now for a number of years, I'm, off, I'm really always concerned when, when people are not serving, are not involved in their local church, or not giving. It's often an indication of the fact that they're not really plugged into church. I fear when people are not giving, and they are using their money elsewhere, I fear for them that they are inadvertently being led away from Jesus. That they love other things, their leisure time, their investment portfolio, even themselves, more than Christ. Other things are the center of their lives. And church and Christ are just a a convenient add-on. I like how the the old preacher applied what Jesus says. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I don't know if we know this. This is what Lloyd-Jones said. I do not cling to these things. They do not become the center of my life and existence. I do not live for them or dwell upon them constantly in my mind. They do not absorb my life. On the contrary, I hold them loosely. I'm not governed by them. Rather, do I govern them. And as I do this, I am steadily securing and safely laying up for myself treasures in heaven. So you have to choose what you treasure. Where is your treasure? Let me also ask, how is your vision? Do you have a a good eye or a bad eye? It's a choice again. Now these verses, verse 22 and 23, are driving actually at the same thing. Gathering up riches here on earth can distort our vision, causing us to not see God properly. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, they see clearly. Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, uh, the vision isn't clear, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now it's time, I've got to admit this to myself, it's time to admit that my eyes are deteriorating. It's gutting, but it's happening. I was in a coffee shop not that long ago. I was standing with Naomi and I was choosing a sandwich. Shall I have uh, salmon and cream cheese or egg, something like that? What do you think, Nay? I turned and was talking to the wrong woman. You know, I can just about see the words there on the screen. How is your vision? That's probably because I know the question anyway. But I can just about see the question. If you're, if you're walking towards me, and if I don't immediately say, hi, and this is true, and call you by name, it's because I can't make out who you are until you get nearer to me. The other day, I thought it was time. I, I, I tried on a pair of, uh, of reading glasses. The first pair I, I tried on, I could barely see a thing. I was all over the place. These reading glasses, they seem to so badly distort my vision. I was almost blinded. But Jesus is saying here, uh, the things of this world, whether it be money or popularity, or, or whatever it is, you know, fill in the gap. Everywhere around us, there are things that take our eyes off Christ. Take our eyes off the future with Jesus. They distort our vision. They get in the way. And again, Jesus is not saying that there's anything wrong with money. Not at all. Or or the desire, you know, to to be successful in your studies or or in your chosen career. Or or to make that next challenge in whatever area or hobby you have. You know, whether it's that, that time when you're running. Or that goal in the gym. Or at the climbing wall. Rather, what he's saying here is, keep your focus on what matters, Christ. Verse 21, your eye remains healthy then, 
your whole body. All that you do will be full of light if you keep your focus on Jesus. He's saying here to be, to be full of Jesus' light, who is the light of the world. And you see, his light will bring perspective. It helps us to, to hold all these different things in balance. It helps us to prioritize things, to hold on to material things loosely. And ultimately, it teaches us to entrust hard things to him. So how is your vision? One author writes, Do you see spiritual things clearly? Or is your vision of God and his will for your life clouded by spiritual cataracts or nearsightedness brought on by an unhealthy preoccupation with things? I am convinced that this is true for many Christians, particularly those living in the midst of Western affluence. See, the eye that is full of light is a a life lived by faith in the eternal promises of God. It's a life lived by faith in the truth that one day we will be with Jesus, the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls. But when our focus is on earthly, temporal things, our sight is blurred and messed up. So where is your treasure? It's the first question. How is your vision? And then thirdly, who are you serving? And here we have a, another choice, and it's, it is one or the other. There is no in-between. Do you serve God or do you serve money? And this verse, interestingly, is actually it's a sort of the climax of, of the Sermon on the Mount. And the passage asks this all-important question, who are you serving? Who has your heart? You see, the truth is, is that we often think that we can have the best of both worlds, come across this again and again, both here on earth, sort of enjoying themselves with with riches and and living it up, and and then later on down the road in the future when I'm older, I can enjoy God. I can prepare myself for eternity. But in this passage, Jesus is absolutely stark. We can't pick or choose. We have to have one master, Christ. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now Jesus tells us here that we cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve money and God. We cannot serve popularity and God. We cannot serve our families even and God. We cannot serve ourselves and God. We can only have one master ultimately. And by focusing on him, everything else will fall to perspective. And Jesus here is once again challenging us to to look actually at the whole Sermon on the Mount. He's challenging us at this point to to stop and to pause and to repent and to recognize that the truth is, is we all struggle in this area. To change our minds and to reinvest in earthly things. To repent about the former things that we have trusted and served. And to hold on to these things loosely. Jesus, actually at this point, is calling us to respond. He's calling for action. So who do we serve? That is what is presented before us this evening. See, this here, actually, is a challenge for us to be all out for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because... The Lord Jesus Christ is all out for us. 
was pondering and thinking about this, that if we as a church were to, to embrace this, if we were to be all for him, what would God be calling us to? Well, the truth is, is that God would be calling us to a radical life, a radical way of living, a way of serving him and bringing honor and glory to him in the way that we lived. It would be a calling to, to step out in faith, to, to make sacrifices. It would be a calling to, to give away our time, our energy, our money, our life. As we saw last week, God is, is our Father, and we are His children, and God will take care of us and provide for all of our needs as He sees fit. So it would be to trust Him in our generosity, to know that the Lord has got us. And what is God calling us to as Christians? Well, we know this, don't we? And let me rehearse this to you at the beginning of this year. It is to take up our cross, actually, and to follow Him. We should expect to make sacrifices. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? To be all for Christ is a radical call. It is to, to give up ourselves completely and to place completely our trust in Jesus and to follow him wherever he would take us, being willing ultimately to even lay down our lives for Christ. It will mean making sacrifices as a church that genuinely hurt. Let me say, it will agitate Satan and we will know the heat of his fury. It will mean wrestling seriously with our sin. It will mean going that extra mile with people. It will mean giving away the things that are most precious to us. It will mean saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Echoing the words of Jesus when he handed, when he handed over his all on the cross. But as Jim Elliot wrote, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Where is your treasure? Honestly. How is your vision? And who are you serving? 2024 and this evening and this month of prayer is an opportunity for each one of us to make a, a fresh commitment to Christ. Can we say... With David Livingston, my Jesus, my King, my life, my all. You might say to me, yes, please. That is my desire, honestly. I sit here and I feel that. In many ways, it's last year's Christchurch Forward memory verse. Do you remember that? For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. So you might sit here this evening and say, yes, please, this is me. But the truth is, Johnny, I'm weary. I'm worn down. The spiritual battle has taken its toll on me. It's been a hard year. 
It's been a hard few years. But I'm getting there, and that's where I want to be. And as Justin's already mentioned on your seats this evening, you'll see this year's memory verse. Let me read it again. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. But those who love the Lord will renew their strength. But those who store up treasure in heaven will renew their strength. Now this is a verse for wherever we may find ourselves at. Amen. As the music has come up, let me just pray a short prayer. Father, we thank you for your gospel and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for Christ and all that he is. We thank you that he gave his all. And we pray, Lord, that we would respond with gratitude and appreciation. In your name, amen.